a non-negotiable for me is having an emotionally healthy support team in my life. Like not just people that you hang out with, but people who are emotionally healthy, who've done therapy, who've done whatever the work is that they need to do, who know and love the Lord, have the same value system that I have, and who can show up for me in those spaces. Part of dating family. Are you JJ? I am JJ. <laughs> it's Kate and JJ. And we have a big announcement today. What's the announcement, honey? This is massive it's because we are joining a new network. That's right. If you've ever heard of That Sounds Fun, <clears throat> any F Downs, <clears throat> we have officially today joined the That Sounds Fun Network, and we are so pumped about it. We also have brand new artwork, some new branding, and we are just so excited to be on this new journey with the That Sounds Fun team. We're so excited. They have an amazing team. They're based in Nashville. We can't wait to do more work with them. So... And they have so many awesome podcasts under their umbrella. They just added our friends, Janine and Caleb with Happy and Healthy. They have Carlos Whitaker, obviously Annie Downs, Bianca Oltoff, who's a good friend of Heart of Dating, and so many others. So definitely go check out all of the podcasts on the That Sounds Fun Network. It's just it's amazing. They're doing yeah. incredible work. We could not have been more impressed with their team. So you guys are going to hear some new ads coming in. You guys are going to hear some new strategy in the way that we do things. Yeah. We're super, super excited for the roadmap ahead and just absolutely blown away by how exciting this partnership is and the <laughs> talent that we're going to be working with at That Sounds Fun. Woo! Hey, so really quick, if you haven't joined us over on YouTube, we're waving at all of our YouTube peeps right now. And if you are on YouTube, we love you guys. If you have been an audio listener of the podcast, you listen to us on Spotify or on Apple, that's awesome. We also want to encourage you, check us out on YouTube so you can visually see us because we do, it is kind of fun and we make funny faces and do funny things during the episodes. And then would you do us a favor, whether you are watching this on YouTube or you're not yet, go over to YouTube, like, and subscribe this video, like it, like this video, comment on this video and subscribe to our channel. Wow. There you go. You I'm finally got it. Here. Um, we have about 5,000 subscribers and we are just continuing to grow and grow, which is so awesome. So find us on YouTube. Hey, what's the other fun thing happening this month, babe? Uh, I can't really remember. Do you know what's going on? I think something on the 29th and 30th. Yeah. Isn't it something? Aren't you talking? Uh, aren't you talking? I think I am. Isn't there like a ton of worship happening too? I, I think. And we also have like the somebody named Jamal and Natasha Miller there. And, and Mia Fields? Yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah. Doesn't she have like a really amazing, insane story of her yeah. singleness and how she oh my gosh, found she her does. husband? I listened to it before I even started Heart of Dating. Yeah. Isn't there like something happening at the end of it too? Like a massive party? Oh my gosh, New a Year's? singles party. Yeah. <gasps> 
Yes. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about HODC Nash happening December 29th and 30th in Nashville and online. So fun fact, last night I was at Mariner's Church here in Orange County, California, and I had some girls who went to the conference last year in Atlanta. (gasps) They told me all about it. They actually said the reason why they came is they heard the podcast talk about it for months and months, and they were just at a place in their single season where honestly, they weren't really practicing singleness very well. Mm. And she was very honest. She was like, if I'm being more honest than that, like I was crossing a lot of boundaries in the way I was dating. I was dating in a silo. I was dating by myself. I was not dating within community or accountability. And me and a friend were just kind of at a place where we were just like, you know what? Like we need to push restart. Oh my gosh. We need to, we, so they came all the way out to Atlanta. They came all the way out to Atlanta, had a great time. They said the conversations that were sparked just from going to the conference, listening, mm-hmm. talking, they go back and just talk for hours and hours. They said a year later, their singleness looks exponentially different. And that was the starting point for them. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. So I was blown Hi, away. Uh, super, super amazing. Just to hear the different kind of variety of stories that we hear coming from conference every single year. But Hey, grab a buddy. You don't have to come alone. Make the investment. I just think for a lot of people who are thinking about 2024, if you want this to be a new year of singleness, if you want to kick it off in a different way with a bunch of other people, this is a great way to do it. Yeah. Also, just this last week, we launched our conference app. Okay. And so if you are thinking about coming solo, the conference app connects you with all the other attendees. You Last year, we had 55,000 messages sent. Okay. It broke the app. Yeah. It literally, (laughs) the app creators were like, we've never had this many messages with an event. Um, There were 75 meetups that happened. Okay. So just know that if you are even thinking about coming solo, you will not be solo. Truly. You are going to find and meet so many people even beforehand on the app. And our conference app is about connecting people. And sometimes people end up meeting and dating through that. I'm not saying it's a dating app, but it does happen. <laughs> it does happen. That's what happens when you put single Christian men and women who are quality candidates in the same room. It just happens. Okay. You can also watch it online and you get access for three months after every single ticket. Um, so we hope to see you there. Okay. That being said, today's episode is a big deal. Why? I think it's going to be one of our best listened episodes of the whole year. Wow. Because we got TLC, Tara Lee Cobble in the house. She was on a few years ago. Intentional singleness was the the episode we did. It was one of our top episodes of all time. Now she's come back. It's just, and we, we get, we get all the updates about her life from closed singleness to open singleness and what it's like being single in the holidays, all the things. Yeah. We get the personal tea, the dating tea, the holiday tea, <laughs> and then we get the most important tea, the spiritual tea. She just, she is so she wise. Slays. Yeah. She does slay. Yeah. So you guys get ready for this episode with our girl TLC. Enjoy. I'm so happy to be back. It's so good. When I was last on your episode, uh, on your podcast, JJ uh, did not exist. I mean, he existed. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't in this world. He, <laughs> <laughs> he, autumn, he just randomly fell from the sky, you know? And I, I feel like I met him probably the year after we talked, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I had no idea he even existed at that time. So look at that. Isn't that crazy? Well, fun, fun fact, there was a 
obviously I had to do my research and homework and stalk Kate, you know, on Instagram and her podcast. <laughs> and it was you and JP. Those were like two of my favorite guests. So I'm like a fanboy right now. So excited that and if uh, you ever would have told me a couple of years ago that I would be interviewing you uh, and getting to hear about your dating life and all those crazy stories and talk about the God shot and singleness and everything, I would have freaked out. Aww, here we are. Wow. I love it. <laughs> well, speaking of you being on a few years ago, one of your, or the episode you did was one of our top episodes. Um, I think it's like top 10, maybe like literally, or at least top 20. It's a big top episode. Um, intentional singleness. You guys can go back, check it out, but, um, you have some updates. This has been a few years now. So like how, okay. First of all, I want to go into your updates, but I also want people to know all the amazing things that you do with the Bible recap, with D group, with everything. Cause like, if they don't know and they're like, who is TLC? Who is Charlie Cobble? I want them to start by knowing who you are and going to all the resources that you have to offer because they're phenomenal. So let's start there. <laughs> Sweet. I'll give, you, I'll give you a quick elevator pitch. Um, I'm Tara Lee Cobble. You can call me Tara Lee. You can call me TLC. Those are my initials. Um, I live in Dallas. I'm single, no pets, no children. I have a couple plants. Um, that's it. That's all that depends on me for life. Um, and I run a few different parallel ministries. So if you've ever closed your Bible and thought, what did I just read? I would love for you to join me in the Bible recap because I explain what you read every day as we move through the one year chronological plan or the three month New Testament plan of, uh, whatever, however, pick your lane for that. Um, and I can just hold your hand as you walk through the Bible. Then I also have a, a ministry where we study the Bible so the Bible recap is where you read the Bible. D group is where we study the Bible and we do 12 week deep dives on a book of the Bible. And starting in January, we are moving through the four gospels in 2024. So we'll start with Matthew in January. And then I lead luxury trips to Israel, luxury pilgrimage trips. So um, as soon as we are able to go back again, we are eager to go back again. And that's called Israel Lux. And um, so those are, those are sort of the main lanes. I, I speak, I write some books. Um, and I have a daily radio show called The God Shot as well. Well, and we were just in a small town in Texas and it just like made me so happy because we go into this little bookstore. Well, it actually was a big store, but anyway, <laughs> it's like best-selling books, Bible recap, Tara Lee Cobble, like multiple. And I know they had the leather one, which is that a newer one? The leather bound one? We have a, yeah, we have a few that are vegan leather and then we have a okay. one that's genuine or real leather. And so it's, wow, it's exciting because that one's, that one's, it's real nice. Okay. Well, it was the first time I saw it in person. I don't know if it was the vegan or the real leather, but I was like, Ooh, cause I just have the big old, the big blue one, you know? And so, OG. yeah, the hardback. Yeah. yeah. The OG, the big kahuna, which I love. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but I was like, look at this one. This is so sleek. So if you guys don't know with the Bible recap, you can listen every single day on podcasts and you can follow along with the Bible plan in the Bible app. Right. Um, and then of course you can get the corresponding book that goes along with it, which I just recommend all of those resources to at least start because they're phenomenal. This episode is mid-December and we're coming up to January, which is the best time to start um, a new the with a new in Genesis. And so anyway, I just love what you do. And you had you'd already started this the last time you were on the show, but now it's been years later. You've added more things and just it's phenomenal. 
Now let's go back to my other question. Um, so it's been a few years since we had you on and you did our episode with intentional sacralness. People were super challenged by that, but really in a good way because you talked about a lot of hard hitting things. And I just so appreciated that girl. So, but how's it been since that time frame of <laughs> intentional singleness? Uh, well, I'm married now. I'm just kidding. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you lifted the hand up like all the YouTuber people are like, that's the pose. Hey. <laughs> no, I, so I met you, I started doing the intentional singleness thing. Um, our interview was, I think it was 2020 sometime during 2020. If I recall yeah. correctly, I remember sitting in my was, closet um, to record with you and um, <laughs> on the floor in my closet. And I, for three years, I did a thing where I, I never stopped wanting to be married. It wasn't a surrendered desire. It was just like I was exasperated of the dating world. I hated, I never looked forward to a date. Um, I, it was just exhausting. And I didn't want it to be that way. Um, in my perfect dream world, it is, I'm like, I marry a guy in my friend group. Like that's what I wanted to happen. So going out with all these strangers was exhausting to me. And it, none of the guys in my friend group were asking me out. And so I was, I just felt trapped. And so I had prayed about it and felt like I was supposed to, or didn't feel like I was, I felt like I had the green light to stop dating. Like, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. And I was like, Great. Because uh, I don't want to. Yeah, I even I think I even said in the episode, like talking to the Lord, like you know, I still want to be married, right? And I felt like the Lord was like, yeah, but you don't have to do this, you know. And so I stopped dating. And if people tried to set me up, I said no. And um, if people asked me out, I said thank you. I don't do that. Um, <laughs> so, this is a weird. They're like, so what do you do? How do you? Have- yeah, I don't do that. I'm, like, I'm done. I'm, I'm uh, you know. And um, then. Uh, May 21st, 2021, my life pastor, the man who actually told me to read through the Bible for the first time, he said, Hey, are you still like, you still have like intentionally single on your Instagram bio? And I said, mm-hmm. and he said, I need you to take it down. And I was like, you got a man for me? <laughs> and he was like, no, but what I know about you is that I feel like you have kind of thrown yourself headlong into this thing that wasn't necessarily an assignment from the Lord. And it's been a good thing and the Lord has used it, but I still see so much desire for marriage in you. And I feel like, and he was like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're probably not talking to God about it. I think you're just trying to sideline it entirely. And you're closing off this relationship. Like the, one of the, the most important relationship in your life, you're not talking about one of the deepest desires of your heart. And I was like, you are right. I am not. And he was like, so I need you to take it off your Instagram bio. And he like made, sit, sat there and watched me take it off. And he was like, I want you to start praying about it and like asking the Lord to bring your husband. And so that was really scary because it felt very easy to have clear lines around that. Um, it felt very easy to just draw those lines of like, I'm not doing this. And um, so I started dating again and started going out and... Um, You know, I've had some of the best first dates of my life and I have had the worst first dates of my life um, in that time. Because, you know, we take the good, the bad and the ugly when we're in this space. And (laughs) funny, like 
when I hear my friends tell their worst date stories, it's like, he was half an hour late. He didn't ask any questions. He wanted to split the check. And mine are like, you guys know what mine are like. Um, oh, we've heard, we've heard. <laughs> well, and there's so much to unpack in what you just said, because I want to, uh, everyone now is like, well, tell me about these bad dates that are so bad that you are even just hesitant. But the fact that you were in a place with your pastor, where you were so honest and transparent with him, like your, your life was so close to him, like an open book, mm-hmm. he was able to come to you and say, hey, I know you. And because I know you, I can guess and sense that you're not being honest, which is amazing that you were operating in such a way that someone had an awesome snapshot into your life yeah. that they could deduce that that is actually how you're feeling. So I love that because I feel like we talked about this with JP. Sometimes we live such a life of, uh, you know, submarining that no one has that insight into our life. Like we're not living honestly right. enough with friendships that they could gather that kind of insight. And then we get into marriage and we're like, this is ridiculously hard because it's the first time we've actually been deeply vulnerable and transparent with somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love that's how you were. And, but speaking of transparency and vulnerable, um, sorry, speaking of transparency and vulnerability, when we say bad dates, how bad are we talking here? Because are we talking about <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> this guy just had bad breath? and We don't have to go into a lot of details, but I'll just give you three uh, quick snapshots. And by the way, um, let's see. Um, one of these was a dating app. The other two were people I'd met in real life through through being set up through people who knew, knew us, mutual friends. Um, one, I was taken against my will to a location I did not agree to. Uh, uh, kept longer than I wanted to stay. Um, I wanted to go to an ice cream shop in Houston, and he decided to take me to an ice cream shop in Galveston. And What? Yeah, and got pulled over for speeding, and his ID didn't match his the car registration. There was just a lot. Um, and so that's the day where I said I got kidnapped. Um, and that's, that's a strong term, but that was, I didn't know how I'm, what am I going to do to get out of this? Um, another date was uh, a neo-Nazi. That is nuts. It was, that was one that was a setup through two mutual friends. And so like, that was, they did not know that he was a neo-Nazi. And so. I hope not. Right. <laughs> You're going to love this guy. There's a little surprise at the end of the day, but besides that, you're going to love him. And the third one was a dating app situation, online dating, um, where brief summary, I did not want to go out with him again. And I think the rejection uh, turned into some violent responses to me that uh, turned into the, we're moving toward a restraining order. So one date. Yeah. So rough times, rough times. Well, I just, so you're going to get a restraining order? Is that what you're in the process? We're, we're talking to some lawyers about it. There's certainly, I'm being encouraged to get a restraining order. We will see mm-hmm. what happens. Well, not to put the cart before the horse, but if you do go through with that, um, I would highly recommend taking, is it the restraining order? And when it's served, uh, there's a great book I heard of. It's called Thank You for Rejecting Me. <laughs> and I think... The restraining order coupled with that might be a really great <laughs> gift to leave great. this person better than you found JJ, them. Yeah, I knew you're going with the joke. I was like, where is this going? Where what if I give you his address and you ship it to him? 
Yeah, yes. I'll show up. I mean, honestly, if I was, if I was well, in then Dallas, I wouldn't need a restraining order on him because I'll no, be like, "Who's what, this girl?" Seriously, if I was in the vicinity of him, I for you would happily show up <laughs> with it and like say, "Hey, if you show up anywhere close to my girl, the cops are not being called first. I am." And <laughs> he has been in the gym, as you've been seeing yeah. on Instagram I've been and all the people you know, I'm training, training for this. Men's episodes too. I know. I gave you a shout out, by the way. Listen, I got to see what you're telling them because I need to know. First of all, I just want to say to all the listeners out there, um, you've got some good coaches here. Like I told Kate and JJ, I listen to every episode, like the day it drops. There's still so much for me to learn. And I love what's so encouraging to me is I don't see in my world, I don't see a lot of dating practices that I respect. And when I hear the way Kate and JJ talk about how to do dating, I'm so encouraged that all you listeners out there are listening, that you're watching the YouTube videos, that you're doing the Patreon, that you're, you are plugged into this. You want to get this content. You want to learn how to date in an honorable and wise way. And it's very rare. And it, it stands out in a world that is just doing this, like when the, when the church world is dating in the same ways and with the same values and with the same practices that that pagans are doing, we, we need to reevaluate. And I love that Kate and JJ are out there helping all of us who want to be married and want to honor God in those relationships and in our singleness. They're helping us do that. And so um, keep listening, listeners. Share these with your friends because we need this. We need this for our other brothers and sisters in Christ who are single. We need them to hear this too. Share it. Spread the word. Let's change the way the church dates. Amen. I, I I totally agree. Not because I want people to listen. To, Kate and I have no desire for a platform or people to think anything of us. We just want people who love Jesus mm-hmm. to have that so real and impacting in their life that it literally overflows into the way that they date. Yeah. Right. There's not this invisible world where dating just has this line drawn and God doesn't impact the way that they date and view yeah. people and treat people. Like we totally think there's a way to do that in a really easy, practical, fun way that leaves people bet like every person we meet, every person we encounter, from your janitor to the gym clerk to the person you go on, they we should we are obligated to leave them better than we found them yeah. as ambassadors of Christ. Yeah. Right. So, well, thank you for saying that. You're so kind. I know. Oh my gosh. We've, I feel the same about all the work you're doing, but that's, it's so affirming to hear. Um, and I just want to speak to one more thing and then we'll get into more of the content, but I think it's so amazing too. just back to what you were saying from your last season of intentional singleness to the way your pot, your friend and pastor called you out. Like it's, it's so incredible. Cause I think there's a lot of people listening that might have chosen what we call a closed season of singleness, mm-hmm. which is kind of like intentional singleness. I'm being intentionally, I'm closing the door. I'm not focusing on that. And I'm not saying this is for everyone in closed singleness, but there are some people who are like, this has just been so way too frustrating that I'd rather not even deal with it, that I'm going to just put it over here because holding the tension between grieving and the frustration of of that season, plus still having hope and actively trying to pursue something is way too difficult. So it's just easier to say close singleness. Good. I'm, I'm fine. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, and it's harder to hold that tension. It is really hard to hold that tension. And that's sort of the, the space I'm reevaluating right now is... Um, do I want to go back into a, a space of closed singleness? 
the Lord has done some of the best work in my life um, since that season, in that season and since that season. And um, I really, there were aspects of it that were so much easier. I think what I would do differently this time is I would pray about it uh, in it. Like not just pray about it beforehand, but pray about my desires while I'm in this space and not like, I'm not even going to think about this. I'm not going to, what I'm just completely wall off my heart, but like, I'm going to go into this and still be prayerful for whatever might be on the other side of this. And so that's something I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm uh, really thinking about what does 2024 hold for Tara Lee's dating life or lack thereof. Oh my gosh. I love it. Well, keep us updated because I would love to know. So we're talking about also being single during the holidays though. I feel like we could just keep going on this, what we've been already talking about. And, you know, this is a time of year. I feel like Tara Lee, that is, it just can be harder for people. It's either a time, it's a time where the year is ending, you're reflecting on, oh my gosh, I'm still single, the year's ending. And this isn't what I thought maybe where I thought I would be maybe at the end of this year. This isn't really where I hoped I would be at the end of this year. And um, there's also the influx, as we've been talking about on episodes of all the coupley stuff and all the rom-coms and hallmarks and, you know, just everything in your face and an influx of engagement announcements, right? <laughs> it's like an influx of baby announcements and engagement announcements, I feel like too, around the holidays. And so it's just all of that all at once. And so as we've just discussed, you've been in closed seasons of singleness around the holidays. You've been also in open seasons of singleness. And how have you found this season to be for you? Has it been harder in certain seasons or, and, and why, or have you, how have you like harnessed this? I would say it has been, I don't know that it was harder in uh, open singleness than enclosed singleness. It might've been, it, I don't feel that there's for me an especially strong leaning one way or another. I think it's, there's always aspects of it that are really hard and um, God doesn't ask us to just suck it up and, you know, shove our feelings down, like to talk to him and the people that, that know and love us about those spaces that are, are difficult. Um, and so, yeah, I have had to look through specifically, how do I handle this? And the Lord has given me some good, some really good tools. And there's still so much more for me to learn about how to do it. Well, I'm sure I'll pick up some new tools and tricks, uh, 2023 holiday season. So well, one thing that I just love you say, you're, you've been seeking out the Lord throughout this process, obviously. And so how have you found you've maybe grown closer to the Lord in this process of, okay, like reflecting it's holidays, it's all the things in my face. Like what has God maybe shown you or taught you in some of these seasons in the holidays? Every time we have something that we take to the Lord, we share our heart with him. We ask him to speak into it. We listen to him. We do what he says. Every single time that happens, it strengthens and fortifies our relationship with the Lord. Just like, um, for example, this is a, a, a different example, but similar. Every time you guys have a, a fight in marriage and you apologize and you forgive each other and you repair, you are stronger because of the repair than you would have been had you not had the fracture. And so every single time there's a space in my life that is an ache or a void or a frustration or a desire. And I go and take it to the Lord and I talk to him about it and ask for him to speak into it. Every single time I do that, we are growing in intimacy. So good. I mean, the only problem with your example is that Kate and I don't fight. I but besides, I, I, but besides I heard you guys that. were sinners. And so I'm just, <laughs> I you know. don't sin. 
we're, we're just, just perfect. Yeah, we're know? always on the same page. We're you know? like below Jesus incarnate. Um, but, you know, it's so funny, TLC. We literally, in one of our devotionals this week, we were just talking about uh, the idea of reconciliation and conflict. And it's just like we like to talk about creatine and your CrossFit workouts and my workouts. It really is the exact same analogy. When you work out, it is a micro tear of your muscles, millions and millions of micro tears. Mm-hmm. Now, that's great only if what you are getting your macros in you're eating your protein your diet reflects after the fact and your body is supplied to reconcile or rebuild Mm -hmm. and then you come back and your muscles are bigger and stronger okay now we're talking it's like the conflict itself the offering up that is in itself part of a process which is a very awesome strenuous but but great process. However, if you skip the reconciliation, if you skip the rebuilding, if I'm in there working out, my diet on the back end is not reflecting a healthy whole diet and giving my body the resources to rebuild. Well, I'm not coming back stronger or closer or you're strengthened, you know, and we have a tendency to skip sometimes. We're so frustrated or angry. We kind of skip that reconciliation mm-hmm. part between one another. Like, hey, what's going to change moving forward? How are we going to establish trust and moving forward? So I love what you said because I still think that, hey, you're on... Maybe for you, here's just a guess. It's a harder holiday season. One of your close friends who you've done life with, maybe in the same age group as you, all of a sudden posts that FaceTime screenshot of them with the ring, uh, the excited announcement. Like, what would that process look like for you? Of you do feel the celebration with those who are celebrating, but you also can't help but maybe there's that pain or live disappointment in that moment. What would that whole process look like for you? Is it just a one time offer up or is it a, a continuous, you know, like grieving with God for a temporary season? Like how practical and how, you know, specific would that look like? Yeah. I think it depends on how persistent the pain is. Um, if it's a persistent pain, then I persistently offer it up. And I will say my friends have been really great. Um, this year I had, uh, my assistant got engaged and married and she's in her twenties. And I had another friend who got married last year who, um, is pregnant. Um, and so, and they are two of my closest people in my life. And both of them are so, such great women of God. And they're so emotionally healthy that even they have said things to me along these lines of, and so this is you know good to internalize because for those of us that, you know, the spouse does come for us, it's good to remember how this is handled when, you know, we talked to our friends who are still single. They were like, hey, I I know this might be hard for you. And just know that I I, I know that sometimes it's a sacrifice to celebrate and, um, and that can be really hard. And so just know, like, I see you in this space and I feel so seen and honored and grateful that they would take the time to say that. And, but even if they didn't, I think I can take it to the Lord. And then I have, you know, I, I'm in a group therapy, um, that we meet once a month, but we have a homework partner that we meet with in the meantime. And, um, everybody in my large group therapy, uh, all of them are married except for one other person. And I can take those things to them as well and say, Hey, this happened. And I'm legitimately so happy for her that the Lord said yes to her desires. Like what a generous, good God. And also I know our friendship is going to change forever. Like that's the reality that I've experienced is when people get married, your friendship does change when they have children even more. And so I'm not only grieving the fact that I don't have that, but I'm also grieving the fact that 
one of the closest people in my life, I'm losing a, a bit of access to. And so it feels like a double loss. And so these people just, they sit and they listen and they pray for me and they care. And I feel seen and heard and valued. And that to me, though the circumstances don't change, feeling seen and cared for is such a game changer. And so one of the things that has become a non-negotiable for me is having an emotionally healthy support team in my life. Like not just people that you hang out with, but people who are emotionally healthy, who've done therapy, who've done whatever the work is that they need to do, <laughs> who know and love the Lord, have the same value system that I have, and who can show up for me in those spaces. And that, that's just a non-negotiable until I'm in the ground. That's so wonderful. And, you know, especially you, I, my fellow Tennessean sister, you know, <laughs> we share the same roots. I definitely felt like I grew up in some spiritual circles that love God, love God's word, but emotionally, that's why when I read the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro, I was just dumbfounded and blown away at just how wonderfully written it was because it just connected your spiritual health to your emotional health so wonderfully. Mm -hmm. And he had a great quote. I say it all the time. You can only be as spiritually mature as you are emotionally mature. Mm -hmm. And so where do you feel like for you that dawning of, hey, I need really healthy, emotionally, spiritually mature support around me. Where do you feel like that really surfaced and cemented for you that it is a non-negotiable for you now? Like that's a really big know? deal. Yeah. How do you figure that out? <laughs> yeah. So I'll answer the first question first, JJ's question. Um, so during this period of me dating again, I dated a guy who moved to Texas to date me. And then not long after that, broke up with me and I was pretty blindsided. Um, it was my first relationship after going back into dating. And it, I think it was more um, the, the jarring of the unmet expectations than the loss of the actual relationship, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah. I thought, oh, my pastor told me I should date again. And here comes this guy who's like, just sweeping me off my feet and moving here to date me. And this has got to be it, right? And so I think I just kind of got caught up in that idea. And I set some expectations around that. And that breakup was really important in my life because um, as a result of that, I moved into a few different types of therapy that have been so healing for me. But as a part of that process, like I had so much anxiety that I'd never had in my life. I had so much mm. I remember you and I were talking about this. Yes. Like I'm remembering, I, yeah, in depth. Yeah. I did not recognize myself. And um so I, I had, I went for intensive, uh, EMDR intensive for a week of intensive with that. Um, I did 78, ses 78 sessions of neurofeedback, um, which is you wear like a skull cap and they rewire your brain. Um, I started doing group therapy. I just threw myself into getting emotionally healthy and because, but it took something dramatic. It took me going, I don't recognize, I'm not an anxious person. I do not this is a very unfamiliar feeling in my body to feel so like anxious. And, um, I, for a while was on some medication for it. And then I asked my therapist, like, I don't, I'm not ashamed of being on medication. Um, I'm, it's very helpful. I'm grateful. It's helpful. Um, is there another way that is not medication? And he said, there is, um, and it's, it's a solution, not like the medication is a really helpful bandaid, but neurofeedback is a solution. And um, so I started doing neurofeedback and that was really helpful. Um, but 
until I got healthy, I had this group of girlfriends who God bless them. They're girls from my church, women from my church who anytime I like, I would panic when the sun went down because that's when he broke up with me. He broke up with me mm-hmm. on my balcony at my apartment at sunset. Wow. Anytime I was in my apartment at sunset, my body just started reacting. Wow. So they would, especially if I was alone. And so I had this for six weeks, I had these rotating girlfriends who spent the night with me every night and they like, had a schedule for it. And they just showed up. And that was when I learned how valuable it was. I didn't go out and try to find it because I knew it was valuable. God dropped that, that valuable thing into my life at a time when I needed it. And I was like, I would not have made it without this. And so that was how I recognized that I needed that. First of all, that's so good. And it reminds me of like just times in my, in some of my biggest breakups where like, I remember one specifically where, um, I had, I just was so desperately needing my girlfriends and immediately I just texted them what happened in a group text. And they started a, at this time, like we didn't really have group chat or at the same way. Um, so they did a group conference call and like all of them from one of them was in the Philippines. They're all across America like they all jumped on and we were on there for like hours, like crying and praying and just that kind of support. And one of them was local. She came over in person and just like what it's like to have people that just see you and will, and half of those girls were married, you know? And so, but they're like, yeah, we we're here for you. Like we will do whatever it takes to be here for you. Um, it's, it's so powerful to have that. And my question was, um, on top of that, how do you know the people that you're inviting in? Cause we, we teach this and you've probably heard like have a life board of advisors, people that are around you that are wise, that are emotionally healthy. They're not just your cheerleaders. Cause that's a group of people that feels great. And they're always gonna have your back. You're like, he did what? Oh my gosh. Or she did what? If it's a guy. Right. And that feels good in the moment, but what we need is more than just a cheerleader and somebody who just like loves us so much <laughs> that they're going to like say what we want to hear. We need people who also will will hear us and have empathy for us, but also challenge us. And they know and speak the same kind of language that we speak when it comes to emotional health, attachment style, boundaries, things like that. And so what was that change point for you? Because I know when it was for me, I had to like reevaluate some of the friendships I had and say, you know, I love these people. Maybe this isn't the kind of person I'm going to bring into some of these moments though anymore because it's not helping me. So what was that like for you? For me, it was when you watch how your friends handle their struggles, you learn a lot about their emotional health. Like what do they do when other people offend them? How do they lean into forgiveness, reconciliation? How do they self-evaluate? Are they self-aware? Do they notice the areas that they need to grow? Um, are they a gossip? Mm. Um, <laughs> you pause on that one, which I yeah. love. <laughs> yes. Like how do they talk about people? Yep. Mm-hmm. And that reveals a lot about a, about how much work a person has done, how much emotion. And also like, honestly, um, this may sound elitist, um, but I am hesitant to bring anybody into that space who hasn't done significant time in therapy themselves. Because I think one of the things that happens when we, just read books about self-help and, and emotional health. Um, and we have no one who is reflecting back to us who we actually are. We're just accruing knowledge and we're becoming more and more arrogant, but nobody's pointing out the spaces in our life that need to grow. We're just learning about what everybody else's damage is. 
Right, so exactly. And, it, and it's it, the Pharisees had the most intellectual head knowledge about the scriptures than anybody. Right, right. And yet had the most egregious behavior behind the scenes and mm-hmm. character of anybody. It's the only group that Jesus yelled at. That he mm-hmm. see that or that he called vipers, right? Because of the whitewashed tomb life of, and we say this all the time, uh, you know, we deal with a lot of what I would call it just theology bros, people who know God's word, like the back of their hand almost, and <laughs> yes, yet the their life bro. and right in the way that they talk and treat people does not reflect hardly any of the grace and truth and love that they've so much, you know, memorized and, and read about. And um, it's the same way. Like, I think sanctification has to require rigorous, right, systems that force us to actually sanctify in our actions and behavior and emotional life and experience. Um, it's why the leaders I respect the most are the ones that not only can speak all, teach us and speak the truth and reflect to us God's word, um, but also can like, really reflect on where they've messed up in these areas authentically and not just for the example of like a fun story that they're telling in the narrative, but like, Hey, this is something I've not perfect in. You know, this is something that the Lord has revealed to me that I really need to work on. And I'm like, Oh wow. I like immediately respect you so much more versus you're just telling me I've mastered this and this is how you do it. You know? And I think, yeah, one thing that you hit consistently that I heard, and one of, it's one of my favorite ones, is how does your friend, how does the person you're dating, how does this person you're evaluating, how do they respond when they do not get what they want, mm-hmm. right? Like, not the fact that they have a reaction, right, that they're sad or just what do they do with that disappointment? Mm-hmm. What do they do with that anxiety, with that struggle, with that hurt, with that burden? And I love how you positioned it. I, I think you're incredibly spiritually and emotionally mature and uh, thank you so much for walking us through, you know, what that process looks like for you. I think it's so good. So, so amazing. So I, I want to ask you a question too, about, um, just as you've been single throughout the years, um, I I've grown to know you and I think this is so fun, which is why I want you to share with people. Like you're one of the most adventurous, fun and spontaneous people, but I don't know if everyone would know that just by listening to you on the Bible recap, obviously. (laughs) Um, And so for me, even as I listened to the Bible recap years ago, then I got to know you and I was like, Oh my gosh, she's so fun. Like she's like, it's not that I didn't think you were fun. It's just, you don't get that same vibe when you're listening to the Bible recap. And so like, you lived in New York, you love big cities, like you stay up late sometimes. None of this is bad. This is all awesome. But it was all like fun, new information about you. You came to our wedding solo, which was the coolest thing. I'm like, okay. So I want to talk also about how you've cultivated that fun life as a single doing solo things, Mm -hmm. um, making traditions for yourself. Obviously, we're around the holidays. So whether that's holiday traditions or elsewhere, um, because there's a lot of singles who fear, doing things like themselves or right. like, uh, I don't know what to do. Cause to clarify for everyone, you're actually not a nun. You're, you're super fun, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know the Bible really well, but you're not a nun. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I love to have fun. I hate to be bored. I hate to be sad. Um, and, um, so I, I do, I create some traditions for myself and they are things that I hope to continue if I, you know, end up not being single in the holiday. I've always been single over the holidays. I've never dated anybody over the holidays. Um, I have never had a New Year's Eve kiss. I have never had a Valentine's Day date. I have never had like just those things that are holiday related. And so um, that has always been 
hard for me. Um, so because I lived in New York City and I love New York City, to me, it is not Christmas until it is Christmas in New York. And so I, I book myself a trip, a solo trip to New York City every year um, for if I can go for four days, great. This year, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. I'm going for two days and I try to see some old friends. There's stuff I do by myself, but I look forward to it so much. It's, it just makes me so happy. And, um, so inviting some of my friends who still live in New York into that space is great. Um, but then I get, you know, just some solo time as well. Um, I also do this thing that I really love. I do this on Thanksgiving night. Next year, I'll probably do it on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Um, I call it the leftovers party. It is only for single people and you bring your Thanksgiving leftovers. <laughs> so leftovers oh, this is amazing. And um, people have, there have been dates that have happened as a result of this party. Um, hey, and, wait, that's so awesome. Yeah, so it's, it's really fun. And so I might, I might even do something like that for, um, for Christmas or I did that one year for New Year's. If you were single, you, you could not come to the party if you had a significant other. It was just a singles New Year's Eve party. And um, dates happened with that as well. I ended up dating one of the guys who a friend brought. I was like, hey, if you know any other single people, bring them. Um, if you know anybody who needs to date me, let them know. And um, I went on four or five dates with a quality guy, just such a great guy um, that one of my friends brought to that party. I'm so jealous. I, I, I'm you're like sitting here. I'm really jealous. Yeah. I know. Yeah, you're not invited well, to I it. love leftovers. Uh, this guy sounds amazing. Like I want to be friends with him. I want to go on a guy date with him. Like, you know, uh, but that's, that is so awesome. Now, well, let me put you on the spot. Mm -hmm. um, other than it just being fun and lighthearted, like what is the theological importance of having these fun memories, right? They're just, cause for me, I hear there's so much more significant than just having fun to right. have fun, right? Mm -hmm. Like what is the, what is the meaningfulness and the significance behind having a leftover party by going to New York, by doing a New Year's Eve uh, you know, party for singles only and creating those really so significant good. memories for yourself? Um, I think there are two lanes to it. Um, the first is it takes me out of a place of self-pity. And I think that's really important. And so it also is a way to extend um, kindness and compassion to somebody else who might be bent towards self-pity in that space as well, to invite them in to be like, look, you're not alone and we're going to have a blast and it's going to be great. And so the community and the camaraderie that comes from that is really, it's really a, a beautiful familial thing when that happens in the church, um, where we just sort of become each other's family in those spaces. And um, I think it strengthens the body of Christ. And I think it helps me squash the impulse towards sin of self-pity and just um, being so navel gazing, you know, like it's a time when it's so easy for singles to just be so self-focused um, and so that's why I think another thing that's, that's great to do is to show up to serve somewhere, whether it's a, a soup kitchen or at your church or whatever, showing up to serve, I think is a great way to sort of squash your, um, selfish impulses in this season. And then as for just going to New York, I mean, here's what I know about the people of God. Uh, if you look at ancient Jewish history and even the, the, the Jewish people today, they still have this rhythm and this calendar that has celebration built in. There are feasts and there are celebrations built in to the life of the people of God. And so this is one of those spaces that every year I've built in this celebratory moment. And I love it. It just makes me, it stirs my affections for the Lord. 
so it, good. It's like the Sabbath. Like, uh, remember when we started practicing the Sabbath? You know, of course, like we had like the Western, literally you talk about cultural influence, like it was an individualistic Sabbath. Like, how can I make this a really restful day for me? The Sabbath is communal. Mm-hmm. Like the one of the most important core elements of the Sabbath yeah. is that it is communal. So I love how that overflows even to the way that you celebrate. Um, and you know, something that I hear in your heart all the time, which is so awesome. I love the idea of just being others focus as yeah. gospel believers who have been impacted by Jesus. I think a natural, a natural byproduct of that is we just naturally become others focus. And, but you stop and pause and say, you know what, if I'm single and I'm feeling the sadness or tendency to self pity, guess what? There's probably somebody else in my immediate community who's feeling the same way. Yeah. What can I do? What can I do to initiate self-start and create a space where not only do I create a safe space for them to feel understood and you know really welcome and seen and validated, but how do we transform that morning into a joy and celebration? Like I just... <sighs> so good. It's so awesome. So, TLC, I, mean, I just, you guys are doing that. You're doing your New Year's Eve or New Year's ish. Uh, yes, I was just thinking about the singles party. Yes. Like, that's what you guys are doing, and it's amazing. And like I already told you guys, I might pop in. We'll see if something, you know. <laughs> we hope you do. I mean, if only like you had a venue to do your New Year's Eve party with, with a bunch of singles, you uh, know, that happened uh, to be hey. disco cowboy <laughs> themed <laughs> and super fun and. <laughs> I know you're a singer. Yeah, I did my homework. No, I know you're a singer. No, sir. We're not. Yeah, and we have karaoke. <laughs> karaoke. Okay, just answer this. If if you did come and we forced you against your will to do karaoke. Killing me softly uh, by the Fugees. Uh, killing me softly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Can you it. give us a sample? No, no, no. no Please. No, no. Gotta show up at the party, JJ. Could you? Yes. Could, okay, and say the karaoke machine shorted out. Could you sing it from memory? Uh, maybe I don't know. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully, JJ is gonna make it short. Out. Okay, <laughs> yeah, this is spilling my glass of water accidentally. Oh my god! But I wanted I wanted to go back to what you said too as we wrap up this conversation because I think um, we have some friends that are single and celibate and they're um, they're LGBTQ Christians and but who have who have decided like, hey, I'm I'm going to be celibate before the Lord and that's my decision and it's so phenomenal and. You know, I think somebody like that, um, like I'm thinking of our friend Greg Coles, who he's committed his life to like in this intentional singleness and celibacy, like for the rest of his life. Um, and the, the biggest fear for somebody committing to singleness for the rest of their life is what is, what's going to happen when I'm 60 or 70 or 80? And like, where's my community? Cause I'm not going to have a spouse or a family, like with kids, I'm going to be still like a solo person. And that's why I think it's so important to that as singles, we cultivate that sense of family. Um, I think it's so important. And I think that doesn't exclude marrieds from the picture. I think marrieds, of course, it's your life changes. And if you have kids, it does change. But I think that's where I'm just really passionate about marrieds, not forgetting about singles either and not discluding them from the equation. Like I actually wouldn't mind if more of my married friends invited me to go to some of the holiday kid stuff that they're doing with their kids, because maybe I just, maybe I don't want to go, but maybe I do actually, I want to be included. Like, or maybe I do want to come to your dinner with 
like with two couples because I would like to, if I was single, like just be amidst that and know that I have a family of sorts that I can lean on throughout my life. And I think it's so important to cultivate that. Like nobody's necessarily going to make it happen for you. Um, and I think it's so important to cultivate that, which sounds like is just what you've been doing through the leftovers party, the new years and like different things that you've been putting together on your own and and self-starting that. Um, because when we find ourselves as singles, well, I'm not single anymore. I still sometimes talk as though I am, (laughs) but when singles find themselves in deep, deep loneliness, um, I think that's a place where, okay, what are we doing to cultivate that family around Mm -hmm. us and seek it out, which can be difficult, but is necessary. It's so necessary. Yeah. I have found that one of the things that, so I'm responsible. My, I can't assume that my friends can read my mind and I'm responsible yeah. for communicating what needs I might have that they might be unaware of. I can't exactly. expect them to assume those needs. And they have, especially if they have children, they have lots of other people's needs that they have to be mindful of. You know, mine is just one of the ones floating out there that maybe they think of. Um, but to tell them those things like, hey, I'm a little nervous that I'm going to feel lonely on XYZ, you know, like I'm a little nervous that like my birthday's coming up and I don't want to throw myself a party. Like that feels awkward. And like, you know, like, could, could I count on you to sort of like rally some people for me? Or, um, Hey, could I, I have a, for almost a decade, there's a married couple that I'm friends with. They have three kids. They, through them, I met her parents and I do Thanksgiving with their family every year. And um, it is an I'd, any other holiday where I haven't gone home to Tennessee, I'm with their family. And so, and, but there have been one or two years where they haven't reached out to be like, Hey, we'll see you at Thanksgiving. I'm like, Hey, um, is the Thanksgiving thing happening this year? <laughs> like, <laughs> can I I'm, not, I'm not going anywhere. So like, if it's happening, what can I bring, you know? And they're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. Uh, so just kind of putting it out there and letting it be known. And I think, um, the kind of people that we want to be in those spaces with are the kind of people who would not make you feel like a burden in that space. The kind of people who care about what's happening in your heart and want to lean into it. They want to show up for you. They might just not know that you need somebody to show up. And so those are the kinds of people, if anybody tries to shame you about this, then you don't ask them next time. You know, you lean into the relationships where you feel seen and cared for and loved. Yeah. And I just, I think as a church, we just there should always be faith that believers like that exist yeah. who would jump at the opportunity to welcome, love, lean in, and support single, divorce, whatever, like whatever is going on, that they would be honored to step in and serve and love in any way possible. And we have to be able to take the brave step of sometimes putting ourselves out there to say, hey, this feels awkward, but I would love to join you or be included in yeah. this or if anything's like, happening you... that I can be invited to. Let me know. Yes. yes. That's, that's one of yes. the ways that I phrase it. And then I also, Kate, you said something else that I just want to throw this out there. You know, people who, um, who end up single, whether it's something they've chosen to honor the Lord or, um, it's what, what handy has dealt them. There is no guarantee of what happens at the back end of our lives for anybody because you could get married and your spouse could pass away. Your spouse will pass away at some point. One of you is going to die first, most likely. And there is no guarantee that you can have children. 
And there is no guarantee that your children will have a good relationship with you when you are older. I have friends whose uh, whose children have moved off and they have no plans to come back. And then I have friends who have alienated their children so much that they are not in communication with them. You can't mm. um, you can't build your life around what you think your future is going to be. None of that is guaranteed for any of us. And so. Amen. All of us will probably deal with loneliness at some point and probably deal with like, what's going to happen, what's going to happen now. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we need the body of Christ. We always need the body. Of Christ. Yeah. Whether you get married, kids, stay single, always need the body. Always. Yes. Well, Amen. totally. And as a part two for when you come back, I think <laughs> what would be really fun to talk about is how the view and perspective of, of eternity impacts mm. your view of marriage mm. and the short 30, 40, 50 years that you have to find a spouse and you have to find marriage and you have to have the kids in the grand scheme of eternity, how that just radically transforms mm-hmm. our desire and idol of marriage. So mm. that's an open we invite. Hold, we can have like a whole episode about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe another time. I would love sure. three. DLC part three. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, seriously. Maybe it'll be always... on a mansode. Oh, uh, we'll oh okay. On a mansode. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> for that audience, JJ. There might be a oh, yeah. out there for me. <laughs> hey, I would be honored. I would be honored. Get those men listening. Happens for you guys. Why not me, right? You know? Yes. That's exactly hey. right. Singleness stuff. That's yep, exactly yep. right. Well, girl, we love you so much. This has been such a fun conversation. Just so appreciate you sharing, like, where you're at today from then till now, all the things you've learned in between and from everything from your awful date stories, which I still am kind of in shock by to like how you do traditions and plan things for yourself and put yourself out there and the grief and the things in between. Like, I just think this conversation it is so valuable to so many singles. And I mean, it's been amazing just sitting here in it. And so yeah. we just appreciate you and your willingness to share. So, well, so much. for any single that's listening, you, you two both have ministries and platforms and purposes and callings that would not have been revealed unless you were single. Mm-hmm. Like you're both of you, both your stories, your singleness and what it's produced is something that would yeah. not have been possible or happen it's if true. you were, if it's you were so married. True. Yeah. And think about how many thousands and hundreds of thousands of people have been encouraged. Millions and, with the Bible recap. And yeah. Mil- yeah. Well, I should think bigger. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but think about millions of people have now been affected because of your story of singleness and yeah. what God has used it. Even if you were not there for the, the, God reasons, right? It was your own uh, decisions that brought you there. So I just think for any single, just think about that for a second. Like what is God doing through your life that would be impossible if you were not single? Yeah, it's so powerful. It's good, JJ. So powerful. That's my God shot. Thank you guys for listening today. <laughs> That's my God shot. Yes, well played, that well was played. good. That was good. Amen. Oh, we love you, girl. Have a best time in New York City. I am so jealous because there is nothing like New York City during Christmas. It's, it's truly the best time of year. Really? In, in New York. <laughs> love you, TLC. Can't wait to see you n- next month at Heart of Dating Conference Hopefully. and hear you singing karaoke. <laughs> oh we love you. The Heart of Dating Podcast is created by Kate and JJ Tomlin. Shout out to our epic audio and video editor, Scott Caro. We have an amazing Heart of Dating team who helps bring the show to you each week. 
I want to shout out Kelsey Napier, our Heart of Dating Digital Marketing Coordinator, and Elena Gibson, our Brand and Community Manager. We couldn't do it without them. Now, if you guys have never ranked us or reviewed us on iTunes or Spotify, would you consider doing that? It would mean so much because our podcast can get more discovered and more people can learn how to better date as Christians. Don't we all want that? We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesdays. So we will see you next week.